Pharmaceutical Technology presents the Drug Solutions Podcast, where the editors will chat with industry experts from across the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical supply chain. Join us as experts share insights into your biggest questions, from the technologies to strategies to regulations related to the development and manufacture of drug products. This is the Drug Solutions Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. Today, we'll dive into outsourcing strategies in biopharma with Jeff Henderson, key account manager of Vetter. I'm Meg Rivers, former senior editor of Pharmaceutical Technology and current managing editor of Pharmaceutical Executive. Huge thanks to everyone for an awesome experience here at PharmTech, and feel free to stay in touch with me over at PharmExec. Now in this episode, which is part two in the outsourcing series, I speak with Jeff Henderson of Vetter on all things outsourcing. We talked about what the biopharma industry tends to outsource, uh, specifically as it relates to development and manufacturing, outsourcing strategies, what the industry should consider outsourcing more and less, concern areas for having more outsourced and more. Now, if you missed the first part of this outsourcing series, definitely check out my interview with John of TFF Pharmaceuticals after this episode. You don't need to listen to them in any particular order, but we cover a lot of the same topics. And so it was really interesting for me to listen to these two different perspectives, some of which overlapped and some of which they each had unique things to share. So anyways, there's lots of fantastic content in both. Highly recommend checking both out. Without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, good to be here. Let's jump into our first question, which is overall, what tasks does the biopharma industry tend to outsource at present, which is 2022 as we're recording this, and how does that compare for development versus manufacturing? You know, in 2022, biopharma is really looking at specific services that they're outsourcing based on strategic or tactical needs. Uh, For example, drug substance manufacturing, drug product manufacturing, device assembly, and some of the other analytical services. We're seeing that, and and we're also seeing big pharma utilizing some total cost of ownership type of calculations to figure out what things to keep in-house, what things to outsource. Uh, But in the small biotech world, we're seeing probably a greater use of outsourcing just because they don't either have the, the people or the other resources needed to do the work to get to the clinic or get to the market. We're also seeing a strong push for second sourcing, uh, building upon their internal capabilities and managing some of their risk through outsourcing. When you look at big pharma companies, uh, their core competencies are working in, typically working in uh, their blockbuster products, whereas smaller companies are willing to take risks on smaller uh, indications, smaller patient populations. And that's where we see Uh, the smaller companies using more outsourcing uh, to be able to reach those markets. You had mentioned that small biotech is doing a lot more outsourcing while big pharma is doing less outsourcing. And of course, this is a big generalization. I'm wondering what you think as far as trends is leading each of these groups to outsource more or outsource less. You also mentioned that each of these companies are often pursuing different types of drugs, like big pharma is pursuing blockbuster drugs and small biotech is pursuing maybe more niche drugs. 
So in general, then all that to say in general, what is making these companies potentially outsource more or less as like a trend? Okay. Well, let's start with the, the big pharma side of things. Uh, they're always looking for the big drugs, drugs that really move the needle from the stock price standpoint or total revenue. So they may not typically go after the smaller patient populations uh, that don't make as big of an impact. Uh, with that being said, uh, they're going to reserve their internal capabilities for these big products that have good consistent demand levels. Where they might utilize more outsourcing is for second sourcing, or as well as new products that maybe have more dynamic demand levels, and, and they utilize outsourcing for that flexibility that the outsourcing uh, companies can provide. From a small biofarm standpoint, they just may not have the capabilities in-house and have to strategically utilize CDMOs and other outsourcing type of companies just to get their products to the clinic. And if they take the risk and try to commercialize, utilize those as well uh, for commercial manufacturing as well. Let's talk a bit more about outsourcing strategies. I'd love to pick your brain. What outsourcing strategies could or should the biopharma industry utilize? For example, I'll think of like outsourcing different services to save on manufacturing costs, booking services farther out in advance, uh, more intensive screening processes of potential outsourcing partners, et cetera. As we've learned through some of the COVID pandemic, there's a lot of risk to the manufacturing and supply chains out there. More and more of our biopharma companies are going out to their supply chains to try to figure out how they can build a much more robust supply chain. This is where outsourcing can be very effective in every area of biopharma development. Everything from initial discovery through commercial manufacturing and distribution is affected and can be mitigated utilizing outsourcing. In addition to building robust supply chains, utilizing second sourcing and other types of methods, we're also seeing more and more outsourcing where new technology is needed that is not available in-house. Uh, as the biotech world continues to evolve with new modalities, it's important to utilize outsourcing agents to help you get to the clinic faster, get to the commercial market faster. It's all about speed. Some of the things we've also seen during the pandemic era of 2020 through 2022 is an increased scrutiny of outsourcing agents, where some of the CDMOs have had issues and they've been plastered across the, the news. So that is not a good thing for our industry. However, it is important for us to be of the highest quality to allow the trust to exist between the pharmaceutical companies and the outsourcing agents. So that is only going to continue to raise the bar for CDMOs and other outsourcing agents as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, based on a couple of things that you had said, I have a couple of questions. So you had talked about risk mitigation strategies. Can you give me a few examples of what that might look like? I think what we mentioned already is utilizing second or multiple sources for your product, keeping the manufacturing close to your demand areas. For example, some companies utilizing Western Hemisphere manufacturing as well as Eastern Hemisphere manufacturing to minimize supply chain risks or provide double the manufacturing capabilities if you do need to supply out of one area. It's expensive, but the loss of revenue from being out of the marketplace or being late to a market is even more expensive to a company. 
Now, that's really interesting to me. And I have a question regarding the secondary sources. So how does that usually work? And specifically, like you have your primary sources that you use maybe for like APIs or whatever it is to make a like a drug candidate or the, you know, the drug for commercial manufacturing. If you don't use your secondary sources, typically because your primary sources are sufficient and then all of a sudden you need those secondary sources. If then you jump in and say, we haven't worked with you guys in a while, you're one of our providers, but we, you know, we need you, for example, to supply the product yep. if you haven't worked with them directly. So what does that typically look like? Well, I think to set up a true second source, you would still have to go through the development and validation process and do a lot of work still with that second source to basically have it ready. It's really an insurance policy. For example, if you utilize a second source, you would most likely need to be under contract to either hold that capacity in advance and schedule that with the client and have some flexibility in your contract. So there's a lot of complexity still and some cost, but just like any insurance policy, you're going to have a premium to be able to have the reward on it. Again, going back to the comment of being off the market or not being able to deliver your customer, the cost of the company is so much more than the cost of your insurance premium of having that second source. Not to harp on this, but I'm very curious. So for your primary source, then let's say you go through all the stages of whatever it is a company is outsourcing. Would you take what you learned from that first source and then work with your secondary source to set up the process? Or do you kind of do those two things in tandem? Well, it kind of depends on the company. Uh, many times the focus is to get on the market quickly. So you may put all of your energy into your first source learn everything you can, go as quickly as possible, start to bring in revenue. And then at that point, it's easier to spend more on a second source development once you are on the market and you have some income coming in. And of course, you're going to learn from everything at that primary source. The challenge is, you know, can you apply those learnings uh, confidentially to that second source? But if you've done this work internally, you have all of your manufacturing or your other intellectual property that you can pass down. So those are some of the challenges of it. But in our industry, we have a lot of smart people working in our industry, and we can find a way to make it work. Another thing you had mentioned earlier was new technology has been needed to create and implement for outsourcing. What are some examples of this? In 2022, I think some of the biggest examples are around cell and gene therapy manufacturing capabilities. I think a lot of people are looking at this as the next wave of being able to treat some of the previously untreatable things in the cancer space, especially. Some of the complexities of being able to contain and manufacture these products, outsourcing CDMOs are very, very important uh, in this space because there's, you know, it's the cutting edge of manufacturing the biologic space. And there's not a lot of internal expertise and this is where CDMOs can play a huge role in furthering this type of uh, uh, technology expansion. I have a question for you in a bit about development and manufacturing, but I did want to ask first, and I know this isn't an overgeneralization, it is going to depend on the company and the product, but in general, um, what does the timeline look for development as compared to um, manufacturing, like jumping to kind of the commercial side of things? Like when you are working with a product in the biopharma space, it sounds like CGTs and other things. Do you know what that timeline typically looks like? Well, you know, in the, the fill finish space that Vetter operates in, our timelines typically from, you know, touching a product in phase one to commercial launch are still in that four to, to seven year window depending on how big your clinical trials are. 
and again, the overgeneralization is true there, but with a lot of companies trying to get to market quickly, maybe utilizing a rare and orphan type of indication for initial product launch, we're seeing those accelerated. So some of these may only do a phase one for safety, phase two for efficacy, and then use that as their pivotal to launch with. You could see some of these timelines compressed to get on the market. And then it's about expanding your patient population through new indications. That's really helpful and insightful for me. So I appreciate your uh, playing along with the overgeneralization question. Okay, so my next question for you then is, what sort of internal tasks do you think the biopharma industry should consider outsourcing more in development and why? You know, I think everyone's doing a pretty good job of utilizing the outsourcing agents that are out there. Again, it goes back to your strategy. You know, many companies have pretty well-defined strategies about how they utilize outsourcing based on risk tolerance, based on their desire to have it beyond arm's reach of them. A lot of it comes down to, do you have enough internal capacity of plant or people or expertise? And, and that's where you, know, you can utilize outsourcing agents to help that speed to clinic, that speed to market. Again, speed is going to be the most important thing as we continue to evolve in this highly competitive space. Speed is the thing. If you can be faster, you'll be better. In addition, I, I think that we're going to see more of uh, the biopharmaceutical companies utilizing more second sources just to give them any more advantage uh, to that speed uh, notion I mentioned earlier. I think you're going to want to be able to pivot between using your first source or your internal source and utilize a second source to give you that speed that's going to be demanded of the market going forward. You had mentioned plant people and expertise as like, I would say three of the biggest reasons to potentially outsource versus in-house. I also noted you talked about speed and cost. Are there any other factors that should be kind of weighed into this as to whether to outsource or do something in-house? Well, I think the one, the biggest thing, the overarching thing is, is how can you deliver the quality of the product to the market? I think the three biggest factors, as we know, in, in any type of project or development are speed, price, and quality. The quality factor is the overarching factor that is required of our industry to take a product to the market, to go into humans, and to deliver a solid medicine to the marketplace. Looking at the, the quality aspect, that is the other big thing. You have to choose a outsourcing partner that can deliver the quality that you and the market expect. Awesome. So the next thing I want to pick your brain on is what should the biopharma industry reconsider outsourcing and instead perform in-house and why? You know, my first thought around those type of questions is what is Wall Street rewarding? So many of these big biopharma companies, they're going to be driven by, you know, the, the upper management that is going to have an eye on the stock price, how they return value to their stockholders. If some of the profitability rules are changing to reward companies for having personnel, plant, and capabilities in-house, then I see some of these strategies shifting that way. I see also some of our partner companies utilizing in-house manufacturing more if they feel they've gotten burned or they can't find capabilities in the marketplace to do what they want. Also, if they feel they need to control their supply chain and basically control what they feel they need to control, then I see them shifting more things in-house. 
However, in today's marketplace, you look at the big outsourcing companies and they currently have great capabilities to deliver 99% of the needs of today's marketplace. I think the outsourcing world that we have today in the CDMO world is the strongest I've ever seen it. With regard to expertise that we had discussed a bit earlier, as we're recording this in 2022, it's kind of in the middle of what is being more or less phrased as the great resignation. How is the pharmaceutical industry specifically outsourcing addressing that? Well, I think it's it's an interesting situation where even the outsourcing agents are also going to have situations where you're going to have personnel movement as well. So many of our partners, they're seeing more people working remotely. You're seeing more personnel shifting in the interpersonal relationships between our partner companies and the CDMOs and other outsourcing agents. So I think it's just been a, a much more dynamic world over the last couple of years, getting to know more people, getting people up to speed on technology and interfaces. But I think there's still a lot of talented people out there, both in the partner space and the outsourcing agent space, such as CDMOs, uh, to continue. I don't think we've really lost any speed. I think you just have a lot of new players coming in and out of the equation. Okay, so then it sounds like there'll be a more maybe training or onboarding or more flexibility for employees during this time? Agreed. And I think with the employees that are typically involved in outsourcing, many of them are remote or traveling most of the time anyways. So for many of those that I'm working with, working remotely really isn't much of a change because many times they're working from airport lounges or hotels or on-site at manufacturing sites. So their world hasn't changed as much. Maybe they just don't have a, a home cubicle or home office uh, back at company headquarters anymore with some of these changes. I've seen a lot of companies uh, you know, basically push some of their outsourcing professionals to a pure off-site role where they don't have a home in, at a corporate headquarter building and considering their travel at 25 to 50% in many cases, basically have become offsite employees anyways. I want to shift gears and talk a bit about the flip side of a, a question I'd asked you earlier, which is what are the concern areas for more tasks being outsourced versus performed in-house and maybe what are some of the advantages as well? I think two of the biggest concerns that our biopharma companies have right now are, do we have the technology to deliver what they need? And two, is there enough capacity to be able to handle what is needed? We've seen over the past 10 years, an explosive growth of utilization of outsourcing agents such as CDMOs. And the CDMOs have raced to build new capacity. And for some of the, the needs that are out there, it's still not enough. There's continued, continued investment in new capabilities, production sites, in the contract space, and it's just keeping up with the market demand. So I think it's a bit of, are the outsourcing agents going to have enough capacity to meet what I need and when I need it? I think those are some of the, the most important things and, and concerns that are out there. And then for the flip side, what do you think are some of the advantages of more and more tasks being outsourced as compared to in-house? So sort of the trend towards more outsourcing. I think one of the biggest benefits that the industry is going to see out there in utilizing more outsourcing is it gives you a lot of flexibility to be able to pivot based on the needs of the, of the industry. Utilizing internal capacity that may be largely full of your existing products or take a while to pivot or to utilize for a new product, you can use an outsourcing agent to be able to move much more quickly in that space. 
You may not have as much control as doing it in-house, but you have the ability to move faster and going back to my message of speed. You mentioned companies might not have as much control. And I feel like that's probably something that is a challenge for companies looking to outsource. How can that be addressed? Well, a lot of the control is defined in your quality agreements, your manufacturing agreements through auditing. And those things have been in place for 20, 30 years utilizing outsourcing agents in the the biopharmaceutical space. And it's worked pretty well. There's obviously situations where things have failed, things have had issues, but overall, the biopharmaceutical space does utilize outsourcing agents for a great amount of the products that are on the marketplace right now. And they're finding a way to come to grips with allowing uh, external agents to do that manufacturing and believe that they'll do that in a quality manner to be able to release it to the market. Okay, so the next thing I'd like to talk about is essentially what is the most popular task to outsource in biopharma and why? And is there really any huge difference between development and manufacturing? I would say that the three biggest things that I see are drug substance manufacturing, drug product manufacturing, and also clinical clinical trial management. There's a huge industry set up to manage clinical trials for the pharmaceutical space. So I think that is one of the biggest outsourcing areas in the pharmaceuticals, um, the pharmaceutical arena. Drug substance manufacturing, an area that has typically required huge amounts of capital and flexibility, has been used very strategically across the board, as well as drug product manufacturing, where we work in, in the space with Vetter. And for your question about development, I would say these three things are typically the same. The drug substance manufacturing, drug product manufacturing, they want that flexibility and speed that they may not have in-house. And I think that's a great use of outsourcing agents. Let's move to our next question. And that question is, are there any tasks that you notice more and more companies are choosing not to outsource? And why do you think that is? I would say both the small and large pharma companies are utilizing outsourcing very effectively right now. I'm not sure I'm seeing a big trend of of things moving back in-house. I could see areas potentially in the future where if there was a bad experience utilizing outsourcing, such as a public event or something where they couldn't utilize the capacity or there were quality issues, then there may be a strategic shift within a company to basically take that control back in-house and make that a strategic move for that company, basically forcing them to make large investments in new people and personnel uh, and plants to be able to manufacture this and control that. That may come with higher or lower costs, depending on how they are able to structure it. But that could be a situation where they want that control. So I think that's important. Uh, There could be a situation where a new technology is is invented and they want to keep that close to the vest and not push that out to a manufacturing partner or expand that outside of their control. Those are a couple areas where I could see that strategy shifting for a company or two. My final question for you is really, do you have any final thoughts on outsourcing in biopharma or things that you think, um, you know, our listeners should know? No, I think that the biggest thing here is that it's a a great space to work in. I've worked in outsourcing uh, in the pharmaceutical space for 15 years, worked on 50 or 60 different products that have gone into humans and, and hopefully made this world a better place. I'm excited to work with all the partners that I've worked with over the years 
And it's amazing to watch uh, an idea come to life and, and go into the clinic in phase one and then see that product grow up, you know, utilizing a combination of internal and external capabilities uh, and see it go into the market and, and succeed as a commercial product. I think it's a great space for all of us professionals in the outsourcing space. I'm very happy to be working with, with Vetter and the, the partners I work with. Thank you so much for your time today. I learned a lot and I'm sure our viewers did too. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, Meg. Thank you to our editors and experts for sharing their insights. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Drug Solutions Podcast with the Pharmaceutical Technology Editors. If you want to stay in touch with the pharmaceutical technology team, subscribe to this podcast as well as to our e-newsletters. When you sign up for our newsletters, you will be updated about future episodes of Drug Solutions, receive our magazines, learn about upcoming webinars and hear about episodes of Drug Digest. Thanks to everyone for joining us for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast.